Welcome to our podcast. This is The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. My name is Brandon, and I am The Expert. Uh, I'm Kobe, and I am The Addicted, and I'm, the other half of me is... I am Ashlyn. I'm The Betrayed and Married to Kobe. All right, so today's topic is so important. Um, we're talking about how to respond to a spouse in betrayal trauma. And so I think the first thing to understand that's really important is what is betrayal trauma? And how do you know that somebody's having a trauma response or they're, they're acting in their betrayal trauma? Now, betrayal trauma is, is different than normal trauma. Somebody who's experiencing betrayal trauma is experiencing trauma that is long-lasting. Um, they've been in it for a long time. They're in a relationship where they still have trauma triggers. Um, the trauma is caused by attachment wounds. And so a lot of different things can, bet- can trigger uh, betrayal trauma response. And so to be aware of what betrayal trauma is and learn how to respond to it is really important. And so one of the first, I think the best way to, to really understand how to respond to betrayal trauma is to, to learn what doesn't work. And, uh, you know, oftentimes an addict's automatic response to the betrayal trauma can be really destructive and cause more trauma. And so that, that was absolutely my experience for sure, because uh, I mean, and, and what that actually looked like for me as the addict is when Ashton was, I, I, again, I thought that betrayal trauma was like, my wife is crazy. She's having this crazy moment or she's mean, but in truth, she was in betrayal trauma. And I, and I honestly just didn't understand that, but, um, and, I and, would and often Co- blame Kobe, I, I do want to say this. It's really helpful when she's in betrayal trail trauma to judge her as mean and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That was, right. that was yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That's super helpful. That, that, that's like, you know, it's, it's a great exit uh, strategy for the, for the conversation. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But, but I, that's, I viewed her as, as that, which obviously judged her, but that was like fuel on the fire. And I, when I, when she went there, I would automatically walls would go up yes. and I wouldn't take responsibility and I would blame her. I would right. always find the fault, as I saw it, in Ashlyn, and I just wouldn't take responsibility. All right, so think about it. So here she is. She's, she's freaking out. She's in fear. She's in this fight-or-flight response, highly emotional state, and you see it, and you come in, and you start blaming her. Yeah. You know, how mm-hmm. helpful is that? Oh, yeah, it's super helpful. Just what she needs right then is blame, <laughs> exactly. right? And, and we, went, we did that, Ashlyn. For years and years. Yeah. 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 So what... So... So turning the tables, that's something that doesn't work with betrayal trauma, is to, is to come into the situation, she's feeling something, and all of a sudden it's your issue, and you're defensive, and you're turning the tables back on her, telling her how crazy she is, um, saying things like, you'll never forgive me, um, you know, what, what else can I do, can't you see I'm in recovery? None of, all you're saying back to her is, what you're feeling is not valid, and I'm not safe to hear that and I I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that was totally so, me. It doesn't work. That was right? what you described was exactly me. And it never like ever worked. <laughs> All right, let me give you another another one that maybe was one of your favorites, Kobe. <laughs> okay. Um there's there's logic and reason, which is, you know, she's she's in a really highly emotional state. And you know, let's let's give an example. So maybe you um get on the computer late at night mm-hmm. and you're you're you know, you're looking up important stuff for your work. You're not acting out in any way. Mm-hmm. She's in the other room just totally triggered, freaking out because she knows that you're in there looking at porn, yep. right? Um, so 
you come into the room and she's like glaring at you or I don't know. What would you that, do, Ashley? Yeah, How would no. you, cause that happened a lot. Yeah, I, I went in within myself a lot. And so I was already, I'd already built that mountain uh-huh. in my head of assumptions and he'd already done wrong no matter what. He right. Actually. You done. already know it, right? Yeah. yeah. It was fact. And so would you kind of shut down? Would you attack? Would you? I would shut down and attack at the right moment. <laughs> the wrong moment. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so you come in and you're sensing that. Like you, you feel that and you know, you, you can, you can turn the tables, which doesn't work, or you can get really logical and say, look, I was just on the computer. That's all I was doing. That's, you know, logic and reason there. You're trying to fix it because you're uncomfortable. Mm. But what you're not doing is actually holding any, any space for her to feel what she's feeling. So you're still saying to her, look, it's crazy that you're feeling what you're feeling. Logic and reason here says this, you need to see logic and reason. And it's just a defense mechanism, right? And, yeah, and and like you said, like that was totally me. I I would do that, like. But but here's the thing: is I would play logic and reason, but I'd also be like mad and defensive. And so my voice would my my tone would change, my voice would get loud, be frustrated. So I would it was like a double whammy for poor Ashlyn, honestly. Right. Like immediately, right. but um, when I did respond like that, like that was in no way empathizing. For Ashlyn or so, like you said, I didn't, I didn't give her any space to be like, okay, I can see exactly why you're thinking that. Her betrayal trauma all of a sudden became all about you. Yeah. And really, it's, a, it's all about her. She's in it. She's feeling it. And she needs somebody to just hold that space for her so she can process through it. When it becomes all about you and you're getting a, if you have a lot of shame that says, if you believe I'm not a good husband and she's triggered because she thinks you did something wrong, yeah. all of a sudden you're protecting yourself. And you're not totally. showing up for her. Totally. Right. So I think a good point with this, though, is, Ashlyn, what did it feel like for you? Because, I mean, I think this important context, just from my point of view for, for the listeners, is to Ashlyn, like, um, would use words, but I know that you felt, like, non-verbally, yeah. you felt a ton. So how well, did it feel for you when you were in trauma? I myself for years. We didn't talk about it openly. Totally. Hardly ever because it was a huge fight. And so in those instances, I wouldn't bring it up. If he came mm-hmm. back into the room and I knew he'd been watching TV or whatever, yeah. my trigger had already happened and I had I did not acknowledge it for him. And I just, so, that, it just built upon each other each time. When we got into recovery and I started, okay, I understand betrayal trauma now. I'm understanding that he's actually trying to right. fix this now. It was a little bit different. It took time. But I was able to at least recognize I am making this. This is not based on truth or right. fact. This is me assuming because I have this history. Right. And that's right. all I knew. Right. I love what you're saying, Ashton, because what you're, you're answering the question, how do, you, how do you respond to a spouse and betrayal trauma? How do you respond to yourself? Right. To recognize these are just assumptions. Um, I'm, I'm making these stories in my head. I don't know what facts are actually... And then, and then you, another thing that you're saying is, is you would shut down and just internalize it and just hold it and hold it. And I, I imagine that was not very good for your no, relationship, right? No. But it probably yeah. felt horrible. Like that whole connection thing wasn't there because right. I had so many things that I assumed about him that right. who knows what was really happening. It's, I just barely got out of a therapy session and the guy said, I loved it because for the first time, my, my wife's, I, I was on the computer alone at night and she sent me a text message and just said, Hey, I'm, I'm really scared because I think you're acting out with porn. And you know, some addicts would get really defensive and 
you know, he's doing well in his recovery and he thought, that's awesome that she would just own that and feel that and be that open with me. So that's uh, once we, once we got to that point, it was like a huge game changer. And to be truthful, we had this experience this week where totally. I'm worked two plus years into recovery. I'm well aware of my triggers and he's well aware of his. Right. And so when we had, I had a trigger the other day, I told him immediately and it's an uncomfortable thing for me because I, immediately in my head think, I'm so far into this. Why am I still... Why, why do I still have triggers? Like, I know this is not true. I know that it doesn't even matter. It was years ago. But I still have that question pop up where it's triggering me to feel insecure about where we're at today. Right. And so I immediately just told him, this is right. what I'm feeling right now. I know that it's not truth, but this is how I feel. And right. he responded. Like I was like, I'm so glad that you shared this because like... It, historically, it would have been like, Rawr, like sure, would, right. yeah. But but you just said here it is, and I'm like, I'm so glad you shared that with me because now I can have empathy for like what you're actually feeling. I think it's key though, like you recognize the narrative, but physically, how did you feel? Where did you when you were triggered? Whether it was this week or it was in the bed while I was watching TV late, where would you feel well, the we trauma feel in your in body? Different ways, but I feel it in my heart. Like my chest gets hot, and I start to sometimes shake, and. Mm-hmm. So yes, physical reactions. And so being able to recognize whatever those are for you is part of it. So those are two, I think, really important cues for the betrayed to hear firsthand from you. And like you said, it could be different for everybody, but using those as two indicators, okay, I'm really feeling triggered right now. And this narrative is making things huge and outrageous, but also I'm actually feeling it. Yes. In my body. Yeah. Because it it can manifest, can it not? Oh, for sure. It's, It's a trauma response. And so... You, you know, Ashlyn, you're two years into this, um, and last week you had a trigger. Our, our brains are, are designed that way. So you, you have those triggers because um, our bra- your brain is protecting you from something that has hurt you and harmed you in the past. And a- as you stay in a, in a safe environment, in a safe relationship, you're going to have less triggers, but you're going to have those triggers for a while. And And... And the key to it is not to should yourself out of them. You, you can't. Exactly. It's yeah. it's a it's an automatic response, but it's to it's to accept that you have them, but know how to cope with those triggers as they come. Yeah. Um, and that's how you can respond to your betrayal trauma to stop yourself and say, "Okay, hey, this is what's happening. I feel it in my body," and and you can manage that. And Kobe, you can be a, an asset to her in terms of processing through that and a support to her. Or you can be a, a complete liability and, mm. and and take her trigger and amplify it tenfold, right? Yeah. So so I don't I, so this is actually I'm really glad you said that because I don't know exactly if the way that I responded was was best case scenario. I mean I was like I'm, I, I said I, I literally said I'm glad I think I said mm-hmm. I'm glad you told me because now I understand. But what's but ideal? we also talked about that narrative in my head that this is what I'm the question that's popping up. Can we talk about it? And yes, we did. And that safety came back. And yes, there was hearing some hard things, but we're, it was like that compassion to myself and to him to say, we're in a different place. Like we are not five years ago. Right. And so I can't judge him today on that five years ago. Right. Event. So you did, you, you kind of just said the key word to it all, which is, um, you know, Brené Brown talks about empathy yeah. and, and empathy takes shame resiliency. So the more resilient you are to your shame, the more empathetic you can be to Ashlyn. And so the first step to empathy, and it has to do with not judging yourself as well if you're the betrayed, 
but is is to let go of judgment. You're feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. That's where you're at. And for you to not think of her as crazy or broken or, you know, angry, somebody who will never forgive you, but to just say, whoa, like, I'm not going to judge that. I see that she's feeling what she's feeling and she, and that's her perspective and that's okay. Right? So, so you withhold judgment, you give her a chance to have her own perspective and then, and then, and here's, here's where this is like high level recovery. Okay. okay? Um, you did, you, you take your eye off the ball and you look at the game a little bit. So, so you, you, you don't look at what she's talking about. She might be saying, gosh, you were on the computer and you, and you'll say, no, I wasn't on the computer identify the underlying emotion. Like what's, what's she really saying to you? She's saying, I'm scared. Um, I, I'm afraid of you. I'm stressed. And if you can stop for a minute and just help her, and she might not even know yeah. what the emotions are. So if you can kind of ask inquisitive questions, reflect back what you're seeing, um, just be there in that moment. Like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. Is this is how you're feeling? And you want her to say, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. And if you don't know those things, get out the, go Google the emotion wheel. The <laughs> Seriously, wheel. Really? yeah. Ours is printed by our bed for That's that That's awesome, yeah. yeah. Well, I know I'm feeling scared because I feel this way and this way and this way. Yeah. And if you're sitting in that with her, okay. Kobe, and you're just right there and you're helping her process this, then you can communicate back an understanding of those emotions. You can say, gosh, I know what it's like to feel freaked out by something really scared that something uh, about something that's outside of my control mm-hmm. you're you're holding space for her but but even more so you are you are creating safety in the relationship and creating connection that has everything to do with your recovery interesting right yeah okay um you're you are a man in recovery that that is the sign of recovery is when you can do that with okay. her because you can be vulnerable you're resilient to your shame, and you can you can show up for her, right? That makes a lot of that sense. That validation, right? I remember, was a huge part of it. The seeing that he felt sorry and the real empathy for what I was feeling, and I think that and here's what I'm trying the to blame like, went away. Re, yeah, right, totally. I'm trying to remember like what the actual statement was, and maybe we can get a couple from you as examples because if you're still in the middle, of, like if I'm if we take me back, you know, 18 months ago. I would, I would not have responded the same way, right? Right. Because I, I was I, I'm more in shame than resilient to it. But I think I said, I can, t- I think I said, I can see how you would come to that conclusion. I can, I can see how you would think that. Yeah. But what are some other statements that our listeners, especially the addicted, can actually use to, um, even if they don't realize it, but using that moment to say, this might be a canned response, but let me, I can see how you would say that. Or what are the yeah. like? It's, explain it, it more. It's yeah. funny. It's funny. My Some of my... Um, clients I work with, they'll go home and they'll try this uh-huh. and their wives will say, you're just, you're just speaking Brannon. Like <laughs> this is, you know, but you know what I say? I say, at least they're trying, yeah, right? Totally. They're trying something new. Yeah. Totally. Um, so here's some things is it seems like that's a really good one. Okay. Cause you're not saying this is what you're feeling. Yeah. You're saying, I, I, it seems like you're feeling scared. Is that, is that, and it's a question you're, you, you want a lot of questions that aren't leading and they're not, they're, they're not trying to get her to think something. It's, okay. it's really inquisitive. It seems like you're really scared right now. Or it seems like me being down there was like just totally triggering and hard for you. Mm-hmm. And again, you want her to say, yeah, um, what I hear or is, okay. or what I'm noticing is, you know, I'm, not- I'm noticing this, I'm noticing that. And then, and then just good questions. So when I went downstairs and I was there for an hour and the longer I was there, did it just start to like 
really build like the fear? Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. So so you want inquisitive questions. You want reflective listening. It seems like I'm noticing um, this is what I, I see. What you don't want to do is, is, is say, you're doing this. You're doing mm-hmm. that. Um, or you should be thinking this or you should be thinking that. Okay. Okay, right? I have so. to say one thing. Kobe pointed out um, today and the other day when this happened how far I had come. And I think that's a big part, kind of how you were saying, keep your eye on the game, not the ball, uh-huh. is to step back for both the betrayed and the addicted and say, okay, we're we're actually talking about something that normally is like this giant fight. Oh, I love that. We may not be doing it perfect, but look how far we've come. Right, to acknowledge each other's progress yep. and to validate, like, look, I can see that you're totally triggered, but wow, we're like, this is, we're talking. This is yeah. awesome. You're not just leaving it inside or yelling at me. Right. I think that, I think that's awesome. That seems like the difference between reacting versus responding. Uh-huh. Like responding is being able to, to, um, reply with empathy and maybe reacting is more from a place of shame. It, totally. Yeah. Uh, when you react, it's your, it's your midbrain, the middle part of your brain saying, oh my gosh, I'm in danger. So I better, I better do something. Okay. When you respond, you're mindful. And so you, and and, and this, maybe you need to take a minute. Maybe you walk in the room and you, you get that look from your wife or Mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, I I need to just calm down, take a minute because I need to show up for her. Right. That's, that's actually a super good strategy because I'm like that. It's actually, it was normally like pretty good on my feet as far as like interacting and talking with people. But when I was in shame, especially with Ashlyn early, I would like shut down for sure. So it, you're just saying, if you need a minute, just say, Hey, I just need a minute to process on this. Absolutely. That's, that's totally okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Good. Good. I love it. Um, I mean, hope let's like now what, right? I mean, from, from my perspective, um, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, 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 um, for, for the addicted who are listening, um, you can, there, there's hope for you and your, your partner to, um, change, to not be stuck in the rut of, um, being, you know, combative or that always being a fight. And, and I have hope that I, that I can change. And I, and I promise you this, like from my perspective, the more I worked on, on my own shame in this, the easier it became to say, okay, Ashlyn's not attacking me. She's just like scared. Right. Yes. And, and it's, it actually has been so much better for us as far as, um, recovery is concerned. So I know for sure that if you're the, if you're the addicted listening to this, your response, not your reaction, but your response to your partner can diffuse the situation or it can amplify it. And, um, that all comes from a place of just making, being safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, to go along with what you just said, Kobe, um, two things. And, and some of the listeners who, who are just starting off in this, this whole process of recovery, this might be kind of hard to hear. Um, but, you know, I talk to, to wives who, say, who, who honestly say, I'm so grateful for his addiction. And the reason they can say that is because they have a level of safety and connection in their relationship now that they would have never gotten had the addiction not been there. And, and, the re- and the reason why is because they have intense levels of pain and, and intense emotions. Um, they have triggers that come. And when their husband can hold that for them and be an asset and be that safe place for them to process through that, it, it, it creates intimacy. 
and it creates connection in the relationship. You, you can take any, anything that happens in your relationship and it can end up being, uh, it can end up being ending in love or it can end up ending in disconnection. And so you walk in that room and she's freaking out. Um, by the end of it, you can be holding her, loving her, right there for her, helping her process through it. Or it'll be disconnection. There, there's not enough safety to actually get there. And, and through all the defensiveness, and you can traumatize her even more. And if you can learn how to do this, um, then, like I said earlier to, to you, Kobe, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I went to a training, and um, it was this expert on um, sex addiction. He is like the guy on sex addiction treatment. And so I thought, man, I'm going to get all this important information and he spent half a day of the training, four or five hours, talking about how what real recovery is. You know a man's in recovery when he can when he can love. So when he can create safety and connection, then he's in recovery. Because you know when he can create that, he can be vulnerable. He's he's overcoming his shame. He can accept what is. And so when, when that starts to happen in the relationship, then recovery's there, connection is there. And it's all working together, and it's beautiful. It's 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 awesome. The best relationships that I've seen are are people who have worked through this recovery. So that's, that's legit. And and I can I can attest to that. Like we're still on our journey, still. But what you just said is exactly true for me. I don't know. Yeah, what, I mean, we're worlds different than the people that we married. Right. We were, when we got thing. married, totally yeah, for right. sure, for sure. So, guys, if any of this has resonated with you in this podcast, um, we want you to share it. We want to challenge you to share it. And again, you never know who is out there who's struggling with something like this. And so be a, be an advocate for hope and change because we're sharing that. And although you might not have the answers, we have the expert here uh, in Brandon and Ashley and I are, are the, the betrayed and addicted working on it. And so we can share our perspective and that can give hope to somebody who really needs change and who might be in a very dark place. So share this podcast. All right. See ya. Bye-bye.